Pastor Ray Bentley says the Bible is God's Word, and we ignore it at our own peril. God's Word is true whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. How you feel about it really is not part of the picture here. God's Word is God's Word, and every word shall be fulfilled. Amen? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. Spread the news of his people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming. Join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. After the police officer has pulled you over, you can argue with him all you want about how unfair the speed limit is, how you don't like it, and how no one knows better than you how safe of a driver you are. If you're speeding, you may get a ticket. Today, insight from Pastor Ray on the inescapable authority of God's Word. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter eight, verse 31, we're at a turning point here in the Gospel of Mark. This is after, shortly after, Jesus has brought them up to the north of Israel to a place called Caesarea Philippi. It was a place of ancient pagan worship. Uh, it was on the northern kind of edge and border of Israel and Gentile territory, and it was at the kind of the base, the foothills of uh, Mount Hermon. Uh, and this is from the snow on Mount Hermon. There's water, obviously, and we talked about this, this spot, this precious, amazing spot, where this big, sheer, giant rock face, and then the, the water that, that is bubbling and coming out of the ground that then flows south into the Sea of Galilee, uh, and then from there, the Jordan River on its way down to the Dead Sea, so this is the source the, the, for the Jordan River and for the Sea of Galilee, making its way all the way down to the Dead Sea. Right there, Jesus asked his disciples uh, kind of their graduation question. Uh, for being a disciple with the Lord for three years, he had, there was, it was a one question test. <laughs> and the Lord gave them the answer before they had to take the test. How many think that's very fair of God? You get one question, I'm gonna give you the answer. Okay, now what is it? But Peter speaks out and what he says with confidence and boldness and confession, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the one we've longed for and waited for uh, from the blessing and the promise that God gave to Abraham and that through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And then through the line of David, the family of David, the Messiah, the one sent from God, the anointed one. That's what the word Messiah means, translated in the Greek as Christ, but it means the anointed one, and anointed as a priest, and anointed as a king, and anointed as a prophet. Jesus, as a Messiah, was fulfilling all three offices. And he asked him, who do you, the people say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Who do you say that I am? Peter boldly, immediately responds, well said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus was moved by Peter's confession. 
He said, Peter, do you realize flesh and blood has not revealed this to you? But my Father who is in heaven has revealed it to you. And and I want to say to all of you here tonight, if you look at Jesus and you know his true identity, that he is the Messiah, the anointed, sent one from God, the Savior of the world, you didn't figure that out. It was given to you by divine revelation. Isn't that cool? Divine revelation. And, and what a gift. Why do I know? Why do I see it? I don't know why we see it, but we do. And Jesus said, thou art Peter. And you remember what Peter is in the Greek. It is Petros. It means a little stone. You are Petros. And, but on this Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He changed the word. It was obviously a play on words. You are Petros, a little stone, but on this Petra. And I believe that where Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, we've been there. We, every year we, we go to Israel, uh, we go to this very spot and, and I believe it's the exact spot. So right behind Jesus is this gigantic stone, a rock, mountain coming out of the ground and water that will become the source of the Jordan River flowing out of it. Out of this and on this Petra, this rock, I will build my church. So we talked about that what Jesus was saying, the nuance of it, but the reality of it in, in the scriptures is you're, you're a little stone, Peter, but on the rock of your confession, I will build my church. In other words, everybody and anybody who like you, Peter, is given divine revelation and confesses that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, this is the foundation of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and the restitution and the restoration of all things. So that's why later in the New Testament when Paul the apostle writes, and he's quoting again a scripture actually out of the Old Testament, that if you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, thou shalt be saved. Saved and born again. Isn't that awesome? So how many of you believe that Jesus is the Christ? In fact, say it out loud with me if you believe it. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, you just said it. And if you believe what you just said, salvation has come to you that simply. That's powerful, isn't it? It's that beautiful, it's that powerful. So, we come to verse 31, uh, right after the confession, and this is the turning point of Jesus' ministry, and we read in verse 31, and he began to teach them, so it's right after the confession, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So, really, this is what I meant by, as I put here in your notes, now that they have confessed Jesus, Yeshua is the Messiah, he now shares with them a secret. What is the secret? The secret is that as Jesus now, he's up in the north and he says, guys, we're going to Jerusalem. 
And Jesus' secret to them was, now that you know who I am, I'm going to Jerusalem, and when I get there, as the Messiah, I'm gonna be rejected, I'm gonna be crucified, I'm gonna die, and then I'm gonna rise from the dead. Now I want, as I put here in your notes, I mean, we know the story, we have the advantage of 2,000 years of looking at it, thinking about it, reflection upon it, the growth of the church, over two billion people, that's amazing, but if I could, if I could reel you back to 2,000 years ago, this announcement stunned the disciples. Absolutely stunned them. Because if Jesus was the Messiah, as they had confessed, why would he be rejected? You're the Messiah, you're the king. You're supposed to go and, and take charge and knock down the enemies like under Moses and reveal the glory of God. Why would the religious leaders, yes, I know there's been some opposition, but why would they be given the power to try you and, and to execute you? And, and didn't the prophecies about the Messiah talk about a conquering king who would defeat his enemies? Something, as the disciples looked at each other, you ever been in a situation where people are suddenly stunned and absolutely confused and they don't even know what to say? They, they did not know what to say. And what Jesus is revealing as he tells them this, they can't imagine what you and I are very familiar with in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They can't foresee that. They don't understand that. They won't until it happens, and then they still won't understand it, and then it'll be after the resurrection, looking back, they'll say, oh, that's what it meant, and be able to put it together. So Jesus is teaching them that the arrival, the beginning arrival of the Messiah will not be as commonly expected. It will not come with great wide open arms and fanfare and grand celebration, but instead, Jesus predicts that in fact, when he gets to Jerusalem, which we're guys now headed toward, that I am about to endure much suffering at the hands of the elders, the head priests, and the teachers of the Torah in Jerusalem. Now, Jesus had already experienced uh, battles uh, with some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the teachers and some of the elders, but the intensity of the Jerusalem confrontation that was to come would be far greater than anything they ever could have dreamed or imagined. And in fact, it would be so horrific that each one of them, when the shepherd was grabbed and began to be smitten, they ran for their lives. But this was known by God and by Jesus. He knew what was coming. He knew what was their reaction going to be but he was also loving them, praying for them, speaking the word into them so that when the other side of the resurrection and he appeared to them, they'd be, be able to regather the sheep and begin the church. But I wanna make a little, little application today. How many people are there today that reject Jesus as a Messiah because of a preconceived idea of what the Messiah is or what he should look like or how, how God should be? They have their own ideas, but when the Lord is actually comes, when he actually reveals himself through his own life and his witness and his word, uh, they say, well, that doesn't fit my ideas, and so they reject it. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. 
It's such a blessing to hear from our radio listeners who found biblical help and hope through this ministry. Dear Ray Bentley, I was at a very low time in my life, a time when I was starting to question the existence of God. I felt as if God was nowhere in my time of need. I received one of your radio offers about discouragement. It opened my eyes and showed me that God was everywhere. In fact, I see now that God allowed me to endure this time of pain to strengthen my love and commitment toward Him. It's funny how God works sometimes. Right when you think He's nowhere to be found, there He is. How have these studies in God's Word had an impact on your life or impacted your family? Would you drop Pastor Ray an email and let him know? Write ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. It would be such an encouragement to hear from you today. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, it's interesting that the rabbis, you know, as they were looking at all of these prophecies and all of these scriptures, they saw two very different pictures. They didn't know what to do with them because one was of a king. He's going to be like David. He'll be mighty, courageous, bold. He'll be like young David taking down Goliath and he'll be like older David that is uniting the tribes and the glory and the kingdom will come. And and there was a, for about a 40 year period, I know this is hard for us to understand, but, but for a 40 year period under the rule and the reign of King David, who was feared, honored, respected by all the nations that we know of today, Uh, They knew him, they honored him, they feared him, they respected him. Israel was the superpower of the Middle East at that time. Now, Solomon came, he began to make some compromises and some political deals by which he would marry daughters of other kings and then, you know, mix up all the gods together and slowly the kingdom began to fall and began to divide. But Jesus is now preparing the way for uh, his disciples. And I think we have to look at the scriptures and let them speak to us. The rabbis saw this conquering king. They also saw a suffering servant that is talked about in the book of Isaiah. Now here's something though interesting to note. The scriptures themselves never speak of two messiahs. But whenever the scriptures, any of the prophets, did speak about the messiah, they only spoke of him in the singular and they only spoke of one redeemer. Two different pictures, but they are always talking about one Messiah. So the question that would come, how could one person fulfill both of these contrasting pictures of the Messiah? Some of the rabbis came up with the idea and the theory, there must be two Messiahs. And um, one of them would be Messiah, the son of Joseph. They called him the son of Joseph because like Joseph, he's rejected by his brothers. He went through great suffering. Uh, and then he is you know, brought up to a place of prominence again. And they say, but there's a second Messiah. He's like Messiah Ben David, Messiah the son of David, powerful conquering king. And there were some that even wrote in some of their commentaries that you know, they're trying to piece it all together. And they said, well, Messiah the son of Joseph will come in the great battle against our enemies and he'll die. Uh, Like a suffering servant, he dies on the field of battle, but then the second Messiah will come like a conquering king and lead them to victory and then resurrect uh, the first Messiah back and then lead them on into the kingdom. Well, it's very interesting. How did Jesus take these two different prophetic pictures and bring them together? 
Jesus, this is the perfect way to fulfill both missions in one person. Jesus said, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I will be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I'll be rejected, I'll be crucified, I'll be betrayed, I'll be buried. Messiah, son of Joseph. And then on the third day, and there's all kinds of things about the third day in the scriptures and prophecies and foreshadowings and patterns, on the third day, I will resurrect Messiah, the son of David. And I will ascend to my father's right hand and I will prepare a place and I will come for my bride. The church made up of both Jew and Gentile. And that's where we are today. We're right close to the time where the Lord's ready to come back, hallelujah. When you see all these things beginning to take place, lift up your heads for your redemption. You know your redemption is drawing near. Now, when Jesus reveals this surprise, okay guys, they're expecting you know, him to be a king and, and triumphant. And they had seen, imagine this, they had seen Jesus use supernatural powers where he could walk on water, demons got cast out, knew who he was, blind eyes, even if they were born blind, were healed, not only healed, but eyes were created to be able to see, deaf ears, able to hear, the dumb are able to speak, the lame and the withered are made upright, the dead are raised, the, the waters obey him, the wind and the waves obey him. It's like, use your power, Jesus. Man, go use your power in Rome. But that was not the purpose of his first coming. And it's a, it's, boy, it's a very powerful scene, you know, this Roman governor standing next to Jesus, angry because he's not responding to him. And don't you know I have the power of life or death over you, man? Jesus had been like a lamb before it's yours. He knew what he, this is what he came for. I came to die, to be the sacrifice. I'm not saying anything. And you don't even, as a Roman, you don't have a clue what's going on. And it's okay, you haven't been prepared. You don't know the prophecies, so I say nothing to you. Don't you know I have the power of life and death over you? And all of a sudden, Jesus did speak. He turns to that guy and he says, if it were my father's will, he would send 12 legions of angels. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you can really appreciate what that means, 12 legions of angels. One night when there was a prophecy and, and the, the children of Israel were, were gonna be surrounded and, and Judah was surrounded, Jerusalem was uh, surrounded and the enemies were coming, and, and they, were, they had been beaten down. They had lost the north and all 10 tribes. The southern tribes had been beaten down and now they had the capital surrounded and they were gonna come in and crush it and take the king and everything was gonna be lost. And so the king goes before the Lord and he, he spreads it before the Lord and, and he prays, oh God, if you don't save us, we're dead. Help, 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 help. And the next day they were gonna come at dawn. The army never came. And what does the Bible tell us? It tells us one angel God sent one angel out that night and 185,000 of the enemy were gone the next morning, they died. Now if one angel takes out 185,000 and Jesus says to Pilate, I could call 12 legions. How many know Pilate did not realize what he was saying when he was talking to Jesus? <laughs> so you are a king then, he tries to change the subject. Yes, but my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, I would call 12 legions of angels. Now, when Jesus reveals this to Peter, notice that Peter, <laughs> I love this. Uh, verse 32, Peter, he took Jesus aside. 
After Jesus says, guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I can, you know, he's seeing it. He's in scriptures, the prophecies, and he's preparing himself for it. And they're all confused. And Peter, who realized that, I mean, just a few moments ago, Jesus had said, oh, my goodness, Peter, you've had divine revelation. You know, I think he thought, I got divine revelation again. Hey, Jesus. Hey, come here. Come on. <laughs> no, this, this is not going to happen to you. And I think what Peter was expecting Jesus to say was, there he goes again. <laughs> Flesh and blood has not revealed unto you. But instead, Jesus turns to him and says, Satan, get behind me. Peter's like, what? How did he go from being, you know, the cool king of the whole thing? He's the rock. And now he becomes the obstacle. And, and Peter's words and thinking and advice to Jesus at the most critical hour and moment was exactly the words from the devil and Satan himself. You don't need to go to the cross. And Jesus didn't even talk to Peter. He talked to Satan who was using Peter and said, get away from me. Get out of here. Pretty powerful after giving that glorious confession. Now, since the Hebrew word Satan means opposition, Peter was becoming an obstacle in the path of the messianic redemption. Now, I put this in your notes and I want you to, to underline it and note it. Jesus rebukes Peter as being used, his mouth, as Satan himself for thinking from only a human perspective. Now, the fact that Peter was used in such a way is something that we are all vulnerable to do. And this is why it is so important to know the word of God. It is a warning to us when we argue with the word of God, we are opening the door for Satan's lies. In other words, God's word is true whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. How you feel about it really is not part of the picture here. God's word is God's word. And every word shall be fulfilled. Amen? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. God's word is living. It is eternal. Listen, when you read the Bible, this is why I encourage you, read the Bible every single day. These are the words of God. When we speak words, we're just sharing thoughts and feelings and we say the words and we pass on and time goes on. Not God. When God speaks, every word he says hangs for eternity. Every single word. And his words don't fall into the past or even that matter into the future. They are ever present in the living eternal now. His word is there. Every word that you grab, when you grab the word of God and you put it in your mind and you put it into your heart and you speak the word of God and meditate on the word of God and say, Lord, I, I believe and I stand upon your word. You are standing on the power and the nature and the presence of Almighty God himself. Pastor Ray Bentley with the truth about the truth. Insight on how significant the word of God really is. And there's more to come in this message here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, True Love. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. When you first arrive at our homepage, when you click Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll find Pastor Ray's latest books there, too. His new books, On the Mountain of the Lord, and his latest, The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on our site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.